live again. Welcome to the Jig is Up, everybody. Welcome back. So hopefully the sound is working again and everything's good. Um, we'll wait till we have some people online here to, to let us know that if uh, if you can hear us or not. Um, so I guess today we're going to talk about a few things. There's some uh, grievances coming out of Saskatchewan, out of the Métis Nation world of Saskatchewan. Um, and then I guess uh, we'll talk about the upcoming Métis Nation Citizens Forum on Identity, Citizenship and Homeland, uh, which is happening on March 9th through the 10th for the Métis National Council. So we'll kind of go through those. Um, and I'm sure there's other stuff that we can talk about that's that's happening. I mean, obviously there's still the wetsuit and thing coming on, but I think they've they got a little bit of an agreement in place. So I don't know what that really means, but um, we're gonna try also to allow more time if there is anybody listening or online um, that would like to call in. Okay, we have a guy that wants to call in. Let's see who this guy is. Hello? 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 Hey, uh, if, hey, if uh, by chance if you have a headset for your phone, or it might be echoey otherwise. Hang on. Sure. Sure. There. We'll uh, just talk directly into the phone. <laughs> How okay, are you guys doing works. tonight? Okay, that works. Good. How are you? Good. How are you? Excellent. So, uh, what, what, hey, what, what do you do for you? Well, I think we need to talk about what's happening in Saskatoon next week, if we could. Is that the uh, Métis National Council meeting? Yeah. Um, there's a Métis National Council meeting in Saskatoon on the 9th and the 10th of March. Yes. However... The Tri Council, the newly established Tri Council, has called a meeting in Quebec on the same dates. Now, um, that's what I want to talk about. What's on that agenda, and uh, you know, more specifically, the homeland. Yeah, well, and that's yeah, you know, well, and that's the, you know, we have the nations uh, citizenship uh, agenda. Um, and I'm not sure, I, I mean, uh, the homeland thing, I'm sure you're pretty typical to go with the blue blob map. Kind of the blue blob map kind of. um, what are your thoughts on, on the homeland? Well, I think that we need to be expanding that or at least have the opportunity on to work with the MNC on how we can expand that um, to include historical communities in northwestern Ontario for sure. Um, when I think of the Pauli case, is that even on the blue blob? I mean, where that nope. the Paulis nope. hunted their 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 uh, moose, and uh, you know, why isn't that area in the blue blob? You know, and uh, we are missing a significant amount of homeland on that blue blob in the United States as well. Yeah. So what's what they've what they've said now publicly is that uh, Sault Ste. Marie, which is the Pali community, uh, the Métis National Council has now said they're not Métis. Um, right, and uh, I disagree with that, Darcy. Yeah. 
Well, you think of the name Sault Ste. Marie, there's not any more Métis than that. Like, it's mixed French and Indigenous right in there. Yeah, well, and they, they ran around for, for years uh, claiming that as a huge victory for the Métis Nation, and now they've cut them right out. Yeah, and I think it's uh, about time we figure out how we can get that to come back together. Now, um, I know the Métis Federation of Canada is kind of like an opposition, and the majority of their members are Eastern Métis. Um, how is the Métis Federation and, and the Métis Nation, sorry, the MFC, which is the Métis Federation of Canada, and the MNC, the Métis National Council, how are we going to work together progressively, even if there is um, more proof of the Métis in the East, uh, you know, and the Acadia? I mean, how can that come together and how can that blue, our homeland map, include Quebec? I really don't think it can include Quebec because of the Treaty of Paris and the 1763 Royal Proclamation. And there's a significant challenge is because of that proclamation, not that settlers stayed true to their words on the Royal Proclamation of 1763. It's more or less just a piece of paper to march west. But um, with that said, Darcy, I'm really concerned about the division in our nation. And it's how do we come together in this agreeing on what is the homeland. Like, Alberta's withdrawn from the MNC. MNS, who knows? And MNO, well, they're suspended. So now we got this meeting happening in Saskatoon and this meeting in Quebec on the same day and with, with boards that are supposed to be working together, but they're working apart, and I hate it. It's absolutely embarrassing. Well, and I, I appreciate your comments, and, and I think that's something that we should, really should talk about is... Uh... I mean, everybody always talks about unity, but when it comes right down to it, they don't put a lot of effort into it, even like you see in the breaking up of the Métis National Council and things like that. Like, it's it's hard when some people want to restrict who's Métis and other people want to go back to a more traditional sense of what Métis is, is the way I view it. I don't know. What are your thoughts, Jason? Like... Well, part of it is, in, from my perspective, too, is using that language of Métis homeland. Um, most of Canada, as we know it today, is the homeland of Métis people in one aspect or another. We look at, out in Alberta, we look at the settlement in Jasper, was settled by Métis people, but those Métis people were not connected to the Red River Métis proper community. So does that make Jasper part of the Métis homeland? As far as we understand the homeland concept that the Métis National Council has put forward? Are we talking about homeland in regards to Métis people is wherever Métis people live? Well, that makes almost all of Canada the Métis homeland. Right. And, uh, you know, there... I. <laughs> Jay, you, you touch on a great point here. A lot of the Métis communities are very unique that really have different criteria, but are they descendants of First Nations or are they descendants of the real Métis that settled Canada? You know, really, we did settle Canada. We, we are the original entrepreneurs that brought the 
new world into well basically expanded and established economic infrastructure that was alive and well from the Hudson's Bay all the way to the Gulf of Mexico. Mm-hmm. And whether it be Jasper, Montreal, or New Orleans, we have to look at similarities and, and really, can we bring those cultures together? And how do we do that? That, I think, is the big test. And and instead of everybody throwing words at each other that divide us, let's look at words that will unite us. And, and you know, how was Jasper a Métis settlement? How was New Orleans a Métis settlement? How was Montreal a Métis settlement? We know these things. We, they, they have a correlation. However, we're so tied up in, a, in proving a, an agenda through the MNC or the MFC or, or its bodies, its provincial bodies, that we lose track of that tradition. I, I, I do agree to, and certainly on that. And I mean, just to, 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 I guess, put a shout out to the Métis Federation, I believe they are working as well on putting together, a, a, I don't know if it's a weekend or a, like some sort of symposium or gathering to talk about what is Métis, who are Métis people, um, coming to a consensus, at least within their group, on, on what that looks like. Will you ever see the two organizations talk to each other in, in that way? I don't think you ever will. And the reason I don't think that is one group gets tens of millions of dollars from the government and they are not willing to share that or give anything up. And they're set up so entrenched in the government that there's there's really no way for them shift to shift away from that now without looking stupid. And so they're just, they've dug their heels in and this is their fight. I mean, they're even talking about Ontario now as being part of the third invasion of the Métis Nation because of all the fake yeah. Métis in Ontario. And this is the language coming out of the MNC. How do you work with somebody to use everybody else as the third invasion, whether, and, and the funny thing is the Métis Federation of Canada was founded by mostly Red River Métis. The first president was very Red River tied, very tied to Batoche. Um, he was a member of the Métis Nation of Ontario for years. Um, I think he was a member of the Métis Nation of Saskatchewan for years. Um, and even the current president is tied to, has some very clear Red River ties. So these people are saying, no, there's a bigger definition here. We need to gather people together. And so I really see the problem is where the government funding lies and, and the, the right. entrenchment of these nationalistic ideals that, that restrict who is and who's Métis, who is not Métis. Right. And I think that um, you, you hit the nail on the head there. You know, it does come down to the money. All of a sudden, there's money to be had and everybody wants a piece of that pie, right? And mm-hmm. we fought so hard and so long to get here that we're fighting each other. Uh, and it's really, it's hindering our progress. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. I mean, but we use lots of terms about who's Métis, who's not Métis, what is makes someone Métis. Really, we need to be finding more terms of commonality, like you said earlier, to bring people together. And then I think we can have a better discussion 
of a criteria of identity politics should come after we find out where are our communities, where are historic Métis settlements, who are these people, where do they come from, and find out what ties bind us together more than continually looking for what separates us. Exactly, exactly. And that is in the traditional community or, or the historical communities that will bring us together. And we all have ties to one Métis historical community or another, whether it was set on fire and and we can't find out where that community is anymore, or maybe they're still thriving, you know? Um, when I think of the Eastern challenge, I don't like to call it an invasion. I think of it as a challenge because we know the Northwest, especially the, the Western tip of James Bay where York factory and Albany and all those um, pre-colonial fur trade posts were shipping furs at a bulk rate out of Hudson Bay to Europe, we know that the Métis promoted that. Whether we wanted to or not, whether the Hudson's Bay or NW Northwest Company were were violent and pushed their way through or, or we had agreements with harvesting that specific land with Indigenous communities that existed in the 16 and 1500s, how, you know, we need to look at that and, and, and who, who was really responsible for bringing peace between European settlers and Indigenous peoples? It was the Métis. And we need to bring that peace back. So when I think of the Eastern challenge um, from Chartrand's perspective, well, I wouldn't say Chartrand, but I'll just say the MNC's perspective, they will lose a significant um, amount of voting power, I guess you could call it. I don't like to use the word power, but uh, electoral audience would overwhelm the rest of Canada in the event that Ontario and Quebec are indeed accepted as the MNC's definition of Métis. And that, I think, is scares a lot of people. Yeah. And that's where, yeah. where I think we have to kind of look at, okay, they still, we need all, all need to have a voice on this. And, and are these, what are these 90%, what's this 90% of the MNO's citizenship is fraud or, or does not meet the criteria or whatever? Well, let's put yeah. a stamp on that criteria. Yeah. Let's make it official. Bang. Okay. You have a traditional connection to the Métis through your genealogy. That's one criteria too. Are you contributing to today's community or local or provincial or national board? And three, do you self-identify? And to me, those are the three criteria that all Métis should be proud to say. Yeah. yeah. If Absolutely. we can't meet those three... Sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt, Darcy. No, I was just going to say, I think those are, I think you made some really good points and I want to, I mean, we want to keep this discussion going. Um, oh, we had another caller, but, um, but I think, I think that's the thing is we, we spend so much time trying to, trying to define who we are through current colonial means, as far as paperwork, as far as, um, you know, these kinds of things, which is good. But at the same time, the problem is, is pre-Canada, 
a lot of paperwork was lost. A lot of records were lost. A lot of things were lost. Um, they did a lot of things that they just simply couldn't do when they were in Canada, like just slaughter everybody and kick them out and burn their houses. And so a lot of that <laughs> history was lost because they didn't want to keep it. So it's, it's hard. And, uh, and I think, so I, I don't want you to jump off or anything, but we're going to head to the other caller just to see, he might have some points to add to this discussion. Please. So, yes. Okay. So I'm going to try to jump over to him. All right. So go ahead, Albert Al. How's it going? Hey, Darcy. How are you? Not bad. Excellent. I think, I think you lost your first caller, eh? Uh, yeah, I think he's, I hope he's still listening, but. Okay. No, perfect. So I, I kind of want to just add to what uh, he said. And yes. I think he has some great points. I think that uh, the Métis people need to stop looking at this, the Eastern Métis as a challenge. And they need to start looking at it as an opportunity to finish telling the half-told story of who the Métis are. Um, you know, as you were starting to talk about the, uh, the history that's lost there, obviously it's an older history, uh, you know, 100, 150 years before anything happened in the East or in the West, sorry. And we need to allow those communities to speak and, and they are slowly starting to tell their stories. And I think they're mm -hmm. good stories that need to be listened to. And uh, when you actually take the time to sit and listen to them, there is no doubt we are the same people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, and that's the, oh, go ahead. So, and, and again, you had kind of alluded to the, uh, what the Métis Federation of Canada and yes, we are currently working on a, uh, a refined definition. Um, we've been reaching out to our treaty partners who are mostly in, uh, the Maritimes and Quebec, but we also have a few treaty partners in, um, Saskatchewan who agree with us that, uh, it is time to unite and we're putting a, our best effort forward to do that. Um, once we've uh, talked to all our closest allies, uh, we'll be trying to make the circle bigger, knowing that there's going to be significant challenges ahead. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, that's one of the things that when the last M&A election was on, one of the uh, people in the audience at one of the events I went to, uh, he said it really well and he, he simply asked like, he, you know, they went through all their, their propaganda of what they want to do. And he said, and he stood up and he said, okay, so when are we going to finally invite our, our Eastern family back to the table? And I, I think that's indicative of a lot of Métis. But unfortunately, when it comes to these government funded organizations that we all call the cart, that we call the cartel, um, they're not interested in what people have to say. And they don't get input from their, their own members. They just decide things. I mean, the Métis Nation of Alberta has complained that the blue blob map they came out with two years ago, they weren't even consulted on. They weren't even told about. There was no discussion on that. It was just the MNC decided that's what it was. And a half an hour before they announced it, they said, here you go, guys. And so, you know, it's this top-down colonial attitude as opposed to, I think, real Métis, grassroots, whatever you want to call them, that want to push things up. Um, whereas these guys are all funded by the government, so they're punching down. And, uh, and I think that's a huge thing. I think a lot of Métis are tired of this, where they want to see unity. They want to see families come back together. They want to see these things. 
and unfortunately, leaving it up to these funded organizations, it's just not going to happen, right? Yeah, for sure. And, and um, exactly like you said, and I find it comical that, you know, with the, with the uh, what they call them, the tri-patriot government or, you know, what the MNA is going through right now, how, you know, part of their process is to <laughs> define their citizenship. Well, they called over half their members and now they're going to let the rest, the survivors, decide who the citizens are after you get rid of the ones you think shouldn't have been there. So, you know, yeah, you know the process is going to be flawed. It, it's not going to be a fair process. And, um, you know, I, I find it, it funny. Uh, the same thing with my family. Half our families, you know, apparently real Métis because they spent six months in Red River and got registered on a church log somewhere. And the rest that came straight through isn't. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, it's just farce that that six months made them real people, real Métis. Exactly. Exactly. And I think it's those kinds of, I think I'm chewing up all the time here, but I think, I think it's those kinds of things that highlight the hypocrisy of what, of how they're going about coming up with this new definition of Métis. You know? Yeah. And I think there's finally some, some people, some organizations are getting their voice and getting their feet underneath them. I think they've had enough of the, uh, of the troll attacks. And uh, it will change. It's happening slowly. It, it'll come back to where it was. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, that's what we're hoping that by, you know, hosting podcasts like this and calling shows that as more people get the opportunity to speak up and speak out, that we can create that grassroots unity that's really going to, I think, snowball and change things as we continue to move forward. I, I agree, gentlemen. Right on. And, you know, like I, um, I don't know if you have anything else you want to throw in there. Um, we're just going to kind of go over some of the uh, MNC's agenda items. And, and uh, but I think we've, you know, in the, in both you and the previous caller, I think we've covered a lot of these, these agenda items they have. And, and it's kind of, you know, pointing out the almost farcical nature of, of what they're planning to do or attempting to do. Yeah, for sure. So I'm going to hang up for now, uh, gentlemen, and uh, I'll call back in uh, when let you proceed on. Sure, sounds good. Thanks, guys. Well, I'm glad we had some callers, um, and I think they bring up some great points. I think that's very indicative of a lot of Métis people wanting unity, and they're tired of this infighting. Well, you and I both know that as we've we've traveled, uh, you know, most of Western Canada. Over the course of doing this podcast and when you're on the ground and you're in communities, this is pretty much the same message that we've heard over and mm -hmm. over again. And that's probably been the biggest thing that we found startling is that in the grassroots, when you're on the ground in community talking to people, this identity issue is really baffling. We wonder why is there's this huge disconnect east to west? You know, why mm -hmm. is this such a thing? And yet it's the only thing that the on the national level that gets any playtime. Yeah. You know, we, we hear about the third wave of invasion from the Eastern Métis people who are all fraudulent fakers coming through the MNO. But on the grassroots, that's the exact opposite conversation. Absolutely. The conversation is, when are we going to find unity? When are we going to find connectivity in our communities? Yeah. And we have to find a way to make the grassroots have the actual power again 
in dictating policy and and the speaking points of what's coming out of these organizations because clearly there's zero accountability absolutely and, and i think that's i mean that is one of the major problems with this is that you basically have one person right now david chartrand who's really dictating who's metis who's not what definitions you come up with i mean they're going to do this symposium or whatever in on march 9th and 10th or whatever but at the end of the day, it's really up to him to decide um, what things move forward. Mm -hmm. And and that's where you have this one person makes all the decisions. And they're so disconnected from the grassroots, they, they don't, because they don't ever get feedback from them. I mean, I, how many people have we talked to that, you know, we were never consulted about this, where I've never got a phone call about that. We've, yeah. Nobody was consulted in 2002 about this on the outside of the organ like the members of the organizations the grassroots the actual metis people nobody was consulted on that um well and it shows how disconnected right we got people calling in tonight talking about you know how, how there is only one metis people what the ties that do bind us together the differences in our community shouldn't divide us exactly the opposite narrative that these funded organizations are putting forward yeah is that we know who we are you know we have yeah. our flag we have our map we have our territory and anybody outside of that isn't us yeah yet the people in that map are asking a different question absolutely well and you see that uh you know um we're just in the chat here somebody mentioned the alberta metis federation which is the new federation in north uh eastern alberta and i think that's that's a good example really good example of what's happening with this because now that they're separating well now the metis nation of alberta is saying the same thing where it's saying um well you're not really metis you're not a traditional metis community but the whole community is metis so it's mm -hmm. it's like they're they're fully recognized as a traditional metis community they have been for years, but now that they want to can take control of their own thing, oh, you're not a traditional Métis community. Yeah. How dare the government deal with you? So it's it kind of seems like as long as you agree with them, you're Métis, if you fit in their little criteria. But as soon as you say, no, no, I don't, no, no, well, oh, now you're not Métis. So it's really this, like, just wishy-washy, yeah. you are, you're not, Sault Ste. Marie is, now they're not. You know, like, mm -hmm. where does it end? Yeah, it's, it's, but it's the same thing, and then we see that with any club, any organization that falls under the Societies Act. The minute you break away from the, our membership role within our society, well, then, of course, you're not part of the club. Because yeah. now you have your own club. Exactly. So where this really goes wrong is we attach identity to it, that somehow anybody has the intrinsic right because of their organization to be the gatekeeper Yes. for that identity yes and i don't understand how that works on a provincial or national level where any organization which is supposed to be made up of its membership can then turn around and tell people at the community level they either are or aren't maintain that's not the whole point is i mean even if you look at the poly definition the backbone of it is do you identify as maintain yes 
Well, if you identify as Métis, then that gives you your first step to accessing membership in an organization. Absolutely. The organization doesn't go around asking you, well, are you Métis? You say yes. They say, oh, good. Then you can be part of our organization. Yeah. Well, that's not how it works. Yeah, yeah. You know, we don't, the, um, the M&A and the MNC can't say, you know, you're Métis, you're not Métis. Yes. No, it's on an individual level. Mm -hmm. I decide, based on whatever criteria, if I'm Métis, if I have those historic ties, if that's my family. For sure. Then if I choose to, I can take out membership in an organization that yes. I feel best represents my views. Absolutely. And I think that, you know... Um, I think that's one of the key points to all of this is that these organizations like the, the, the cartel of Métis Nation organizations have done a great job of trying to transition themselves away from being a lobby group um, to and which was there to champion the government for Métis people into some sort of government system. But you can't turn a society under Societies Act into a government. It doesn't work. And I, I listened to... Uh, a podcast called Warrior Life by Pam Palmeter and Christy Belcourt was on one of the recent episodes. And I, I would highly recommend people go listen to this podcast with Christy Belcourt because uh, they talk, it's all about the Wet'suwet'en, but the real key thing for me was at about the 36 minute mark of the podcast, um, Christy Belcourt talks very openly about David Chartrand and these organizations that were never ever set up to be a government yeah. system. They were set up to simply lobby the government. Um, and so, but what these guys did was they seen the opportunity to generate more wealth for themselves and, and capture more power. And so they've tried to become a government. And by doing so, they've, they've basically started to try to bully everybody as to who, who is and who's not. They want everybody to believe that you can't be Métis without our plastic card in your which is good for them. It, it solidifies their monopoly on things. Yeah, and, and I think that's in that, that whole point that Christy in that uh, interview brings forward is exactly the whole point of the history of these organizations going from trying to make sure Métis people were included in the Constitution, <clears throat> that Métis people were part of, of being recognized as an indigenous people group. And by doing so, they fell down the slippery slope of turn, being turned into a government agency to represent Métis people the same way that AFN has, mm -hmm. you know, that, that they're no longer a lobby group. They're, you're really this weird hybrid yeah. society that's government-funded agency of representing this Métis indigenous population. Yeah. And, and really, these organizations aren't governments. They're interfaces that the government yes. is using to meet some of its so-called obligations, you know, for Daniel. So they're using yeah. the MNC cartel to administrate these programs and services that they're now obligated to do because they started out as lobby groups. And yeah. now these lobby groups were then turned into indigenous agencies for like in Alberta, you know, the MNA was funded to provide a uh, job training. Mm -hmm. And so they received money and funds for that. And so they went from a lobby group to an interface group. Now they're trying to position themselves mm -hmm. as gatekeepers for yeah. identity. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think that's where a lot of confusion comes in for people is 
if the organizations that represent Métis are saying you're not Métis, but you're saying you are, then which one's right? Um, so we're just, re you know, Alberta Al has the comment on the chat here of one of the issues right now is Métis settlements in Alberta don't meet the historical part of the definition. And you're absolutely right. Um, and that's, again, one of those great hypocrisies. Um, and the whole notion that you have to prove your ties to a historical community um, is a very colonial attitude. Yeah. Um, like you mentioned right from the beginning, the homeland is all of really North America. Um, we didn't, we weren't, you know, in the fur trade and stuff, you're moving around, families moved. A lot of families like the Jasper Métis, a lot of them came from Quebec, went through, and they might have passed through Red River for a minute, mm -hmm. but they ended up in Jasper and they moved back and forth between Jasper and Quebec. So it, it's like there's a lot of movement there that you can't simply just say, oh, this is this is our map and make it really restrictive. Right. And I mean, in, in touching on the settlements is that you look at the Alberta government's response um, to Métis issues was to set up basically the equivalent, if we're honest, is reserves set mm -hmm. aside for Métis people. Yeah. Um, and so they take land, they just carve it out, they designate it for Métis settlement use. And the settlements themselves then turn around and say, well, we're the only valid Métis because we're the only land-based Métis. But that was really created in a special act of the Alberta mm -hmm. Provincial Parliament for those Métis people. So again, it, it, it creates division in saying who's authentic, who's really authentic. Mm -hmm. Do you come from a Métis historical community? Well, then you're authentic. Well, or do you come from a settlement that makes you authentic? But what happens if you weren't? What happens mm -hmm. if you're just the average Métis who happened to be moving around, and especially in the last hundred years, yeah. did what you had to do for work, to put food on your family's plate, to survive? Mm -hmm. Well, are you less Métis then? Are you less authentically yeah. Métis? Yeah. So are we having this gradual scale? Oh. You know, here's top tier Métis is, is if your <laughs> grandfather died standing next to someone at Batoche, well, then you're really Métis. Yeah. <laughs> If you come from a historic Métis wall, then you're like B tier. <laughs> if you're on a settlement, you're C tier. And if you happen to just be normal person who happened to move around, well, sorry, you're on the bottom of the heap. That's pretty good description of the way it seems like it is. So, um, I don't know. I, and I think, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm always curious about is the language that's being used out there. And, like even just reading this agenda, like it's all about invasions and fear and defining and doing this and that. And like how, how many years do we have to define Métis people? Like when I look at, uh, I'll use Blackfoot because I'm in Blackfoot country when I'm at home, they don't have meetings sitting around defining who's Blackfoot. Like it, it just isn't. Um, yeah, there's, if not, you a, have there's not a weekly band meeting yeah. or monthly band meeting on the reserve to find out which one of the community members still qualifies and which one doesn't. Yeah, and they, if you have Blackfoot blood, you're Blackfoot. That's a, it doesn't matter if you have 10%, 100%, 80%. Like yeah. there's no, there is no blood quantum. And so I think like a, so much of this is ground down into these groups trying to retain this power that they've achieved through this transition of, of being a lobby group to whatever the hell they are now. And so they're just trying to hold on to that power, the funding and everything. 
And so it works in their best interest to constantly have this divide and just constantly, it's like you're constantly just keeping that wound open because it's in your best interest to keep that blood flowing. Well, and there's money attached to it. You know, their, mm -hmm. their registry at the MNC was paid for, for with $55 million. So at some point it's reductive in nature because the government's always <laughs> looking to reduce its obligation to our people. Yes. Absolutely. And so that's how that goes. So on the grassroots side of things, you you know, we have callers calling in to, to show there's that, that grassroots pushback. We have organizations, as mentioned, like the MFC, that starts to represent large portions of uh, our Métis brethren in the East, mm -hmm. you know, and it's trying to find that same traction now in the West to bring that unity about is going to be difficult, especially given the fact that we're at the height of this propagandic movement uh, by the these government-funded organizations to create, like you said, Darcy, fear and further division, you know, a yeah. third wave of invasion. I mean, is this some sign of kind of sci-fi show that we're on now? Yeah. Like, I don't get it. Like, like who's invading what? And nobody's leaving their homes. It's, yeah. You know, for me, this has always boiled down to why, I mean, there is some people out there that are always going to look for a way to get, uh, you know benefits or something out of this there, there's always those people but i don't think it's the mass huge problem that they say it is but for me most people when you talk to them like why why do you want to prove that you're metis it boils down to simply understanding who i am and where i come from and being part of a larger community it has nothing to do with benefits and i want a status card and i want you know I want to get, you know, whatever it is they think they're going to get. It, it boils down to a dis. we were forced to be disconnected. And now we're trying to bring ourselves back. And, and people are, a lot of people I've talked to feel lost. Because yeah. they can't, they've proven their lineage, but it goes to the wrong town. So now you can't be Métis. And that, that doesn't even make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. And so... That's where I think a lot of this falls apart is, is, is when you actually talk to people in, in, in Eastern Canada who want to, to be recognized as Métis. It's because they want to be recognized as Métis. They want to be accepted for who they are. Not because they could get a scholarship for their kid or a, you know free taxes or not pay taxes or whatever it is people think they're doing. There's those people, but that's a very small group of people. And I mean, if you paint, if you're going to take those people and just paint... Well, then you can do that with every group and it's 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 called discrimination yeah and i think this is the great misnomer i don't think acceptance is the same as entitlement and i think that the mnc is under the the delusion that if we accept eastern metis identity as valid that somehow they're entitled to something now you and I both have talked at length is I'm not sure what Métis people feel like there's, we don't get entitlements. There's no magic. You're Métis. You can now go live on the reserve or <laughs> exactly. exactly. Hey, you're Métis. We can all move to the settlements. You know, um, they're governed by different things and there's different legalities like being Métis and getting a Métis card, which there aren't any doesn't entitle us to some universal health care. No. We don't get diminished taxes. We don't. So, having your identity validated doesn't entitle us to anything. Yes. And I think that's the great delusion that the MNC is trying to propagate is that somehow if 
Sault Ste. Marie is recognized as a real Métis community, well, they're going to dwindle our dollars. They're going to yeah. double dip into the mighty reserves of yeah. Métis cash flow, and then we'll all have less. Yeah. Well, we I don't know what we have that we would have less of. For sure. By validating and having these people recognized as real Métis communities with historic ties that bind us together. I would think it would be the opposite. And if you were really look at it, if you welcomed these people in as Métis and, and um, it would strengthen your position. You have more people to fight the government for rights, for things. Like why you would want to restrict it down it has always baffled me, except for the fact that you're just a, a, a puppet for the government. And so that's that colonial, like very colonized mind at the very top, which is David Chartrand at, in today's day. Um, but it, it just seems ridiculous that you'd want to weaken yourself by restricting. I've never, I've never met a nation that, that wants to eliminate people so that they're smaller and less people and less people because that's all they're doing. Now they've eliminated all, most of Ontario. So what's next? They're going to eliminate all of BC next in, in 10 years. And then, oh, well, half of Saskatchewan really isn't Métis. Like, where does it stop? Mm -hmm. But it's just this constant restriction, which seems to, to me, it would do the opposite of building strength. Well, they, you, they lay claim as the, the, the Métis National Council to this blue blob map. Yeah. So they, they have this huge swath of territory. They say, well, this is our homeland. But then they say, but really only this very, very small selective group of people is entitled to call themselves Métis inside of that map. Yeah. Well, so really what they're trying to tell you is the so-called billions of dollars in funding they're now receiving under the Trudeau government go only to a very select few people. Absolutely. And so... At what point then in this organization, if you are a card-carrying member, do you recognize that maybe you have too much administration for such a small group of people? Absolutely. How many people are getting paid salaries and wages mm -hmm. and things at these levels of, of government yeah. um, to govern such a small group of people? If the m &A has 40,000 members, that sounds like a lot, but I know a lot bigger organizations who run that kind of money with a lot less administration. Absolutely. And quite honestly, a lot more transparency. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, and, you know, that the other thing I wanted to touch on tonight was what's... Uh, I seen an, an article about uh, a three-page letter from to the Métis Nation of Saskatchewan. And, you know, we're talking about money, and we're talking about the money they're getting. Is it flowing down to people? But these there's these locals in Saskatchewan that are saying, we were supposed to get all this grant money for this big um, urban indigenous programming grant that was given to the Métis Nation of Saskatchewan that was supposed to be disseminated out to all the locals for whatever the program was. But there's a bunch of locals that didn't receive any money, but the Métis Nation of Saskatchewan received the money. And of course, there's the, well, you didn't receive it because you didn't file your paperwork in time. And, but it's like, in reality, this is exactly what we're talking about. They're getting billions and all this new funding and it's not it's not actually going to the people so they want to say oh well we're these awesome organizations we're a government 
but even within their own organizations, they're then selectively deciding who's getting what. And well, you know, Joe over there talked very negatively about us on an interview, so he's not getting any funding in his local. Oh, Susie over in the other local, you know, she spoke out at a meeting and talked about the judiciary. Well, we're going to cut her off. Like, where does it end? And, and so these organizations are like eating their own, eating themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and, so, and then you wonder why communities are starting to break away. Yeah, I mean, is it really any wonder when you look at how all these monies flow into these organizations, and how little makes it to the community level? Is it any wonder when you get a community that has the means, mm-hmm. leaves? Yeah. Like, it, like, I don't understand why there would be a shock value no. to that. And I also really don't understand why the MA would be surprised yeah. that the Alberta government would recognize the communities as valid. Because that's how they work. You know, anybody who's been involved in the process of, of harvesting rights in the Western provinces in Alberta and Saskatchewan, if you have been in any of those meetings of how the Alberta government views them and your access to them as a Métis individual, they t- will tell you flat out, you do not have to have an MA card to exercise your harvesting rights yeah. within the criteria set up by the province. So why would the MA be so shocked and aghast yeah. that they would recognize this community as authentic and having the same autonomous rights to be consulted on these things in their own home community? Absolutely. I don't get it. Yeah. Other than the fact that it's about control, mm-hmm. it's about money, position yeah. and power. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, it's a real duplicity to think and a cognitive dissonance to think that they can say on one hand, you can't be authentically maintained unless you're under our umbrella. And then turn around and say, you aren't transparent OMNC council to me. And so yeah. we're going to break away from you. Exactly. Exactly. And that, I think right now what I am sort of moderately enjoying is seeing the the hypocrisy of what they've developed starting to crumble. And, you know, we with the breakaway in Northern Alberta, now you're seeing locals starting to speak up in Saskatchewan. You got the land claim, which doesn't involve any of the Métis nations, yeah. even though it's got claim as their lawyer. Um, so that land claim won't be a Métis nation land claim. Land claim, yeah. And so you're just starting to see these little bits and pieces all fragmenting off and 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 we're not even yet even on talking about Ontario. Like, what are they going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, are they going to simply eradicate all these Métis communities that they've talked about for years? All the new ones that have been certified by the government? Well, then well they, no, they're not going to just go. Oh, sorry, no. This year you're not Métis, but last year you were. Yeah, you look how hard the MNO has worked to prove that these are historic Métis communities that have mm-hmm. validated them through the same processes that we've had to go on through in Alberta for our historic communities. And so then you're going to say, no, we're sorry, because of our blue blob map, yeah. because of our 2002 historic definition, we're going to jettison you out of our yeah. membership role, and you're no longer authentically Métis. Yeah. Well, of course that's not going to happen. <laughs> and so what is good is, like you said, the, the hypocrisy is finally showing. It's going to be interesting to see how the Métis people themselves in these communities respond. You know, the MNO is running up to his presidential election. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how much of a hot button topic it is going to be oh, for yeah. them. 
in in their own election. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they view the relationship with uh, Saskatchewan and Alberta. Yeah, it is going to be in the election, um, and see if there's administrative change yeah. in Ontario that could take the Ontario Métis in a new direction. Absolutely. One of the uh, <laughs> I saw this picture yesterday, and I thought it was really funny. Um, Ron Quintal, which I'm, I don't like to knock him at all, but he had a he took a picture, had his picture taken with uh, David Chartrand, and he had really nice things to say about David Chartrand. What I thought was hilarious is that David Chartrand is happy to sit down, have a meal, and take pictures with this guy who just broke away from the Métis Nation. He's cut out, not just the Métis Nation of Alberta, he's cut the MNC out of their life too. I mean, they still say they're going to side with them. So what are we going to have now? We're going to have two organizations in Alberta that are fall under the MNC. Like, So it's kind of hilarious to see David Chartrand cozying up to the new kids in town with their new organization while he's fighting with the MNA because the MNA is doing the exact same thing to them. And so it's like this big circle that's just, honestly, it's just hilarious to watch. Yeah, complete game of politics to see who's going to maintain control uh, of really all this government funding. Yeah. And I mean, if he's closing up to them, realistically, they're not Métis according to their own definition. Yeah. Because they're outside of the organization. Like, they're in the blue blob map and they meet criteria. But they're not members anymore. So they're they're not Métis. But he's having lunch with them and talking about Métis issues. So, like, like the hypocrisies is like every day. You just flip the page. It's hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's basically whatever suits me to maintain power, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. And whatever whatever we got to do to bolster our strength to hold that, you know, Métis Western identity together at all costs. And yeah. it, now it's a fight for who's actually going to control the narrative. Yeah. Who's going to be the winner in this? Is is the MMF going to become the backbone and, and really be just have the MNC as its front? You know, and yep. they're going to try to pull these, you know, fragmented communities like the guys in northern Alberta together to cobble together power. Mm-hmm. Or, or, is, or is Alberta, the MNA and MNS and the MNO going to be able to wrangle the MNC to their head yeah. and take it over? You know, so really it's a huge government funded, multi-governmental, you know, they all call themselves Métis governments. Yeah. Fight. Absolutely. And at the bottom of this, we have the poor Métis individuals at the bottom going, yeah, but half this money is never going to come to me. Yeah. I'm never going to see a dime. My community is never going to see a dime. Yep. And when are we going to actually get on to the real issues of, of building unity, mm-hmm. you know, preserving our language, preserving our culture, preserving our heritage to pass down to our children? When are we going to get down to the business of doing something that's actually going to make sure there's cultural, you know, language speaking Métis people yeah. around 50 years from now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and, and that's the whole thing. I mean, you, people are just, people are, fr- I think are just generally frustrated with all of this bickering and fighting. Mm-hmm. And I think they're just either tur- tuning out, turning off and walking away or, or they're sitting there wondering, when are we going to actually get beyond this? Yeah. I mean, this has been an issue, not for the last year, but for decades. Hmm. And it's becoming increasingly worse. I mean, you just can't turn off being Métis, you know? Yeah, and I think that's the real real problem. 
is on the ground, we know what it takes to identify as Métis. Why don't we get down to the business of tackling the fact that there's 100,000 people in Alberta who claim Métis identity? Let's deal with that. Let's get mm -hmm. past the, these goofy administration issues yeah. that come down with government funding and whatever they're going to do and, and start creating an organization that's going to bridge some gaps to do that. Absolutely. And I think there's organizations like the Métis Federation that could do that. But we need people to support it. We need people to say, you know what, I'm yeah. pulling my membership out of here. Absolutely. I'm going to put my voice behind these people that matter. And unfortunately, no matter what we think, the government's only going to recognize an alternative to the Métis National Council when that organization has enough support behind it. Yeah. And largely, that's going to be the individual's responsibility. We have 100,000 people in Alberta alone who claim to be Métis, we need those people to take the future of Métis identity, mm -hmm. of Métis politics, of Métis funding and Métis land rights and harvesting rights seriously, mm -hmm. and put their membership where it's going to matter so that the people who believe in real Métis values have a voice to speak from. Absolutely. Well, I don't know if I could. we could end it any better than that. That was... Uh... Way to go, Jason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great statement. Well, and, and I appreciate everybody calling in. It made for a great conversation. An hour goes by very fast when you have people calling in. Absolutely. And I, the callers, you guys made some really excellent points um, and dove right into the conversations that we were planning to have anyway. So it was fantastic. Um, we are going to continue to do these live shows at least once a month. Um, so if you have... Other Métis that you want to let know about this, please let them know so that they can too can call in. Um, but share this. I mean, this is the whole point of doing it live is to to get to voices that we don't normally hear because, you know, um, it, it's just difficult to interview every single Métis person in Canada. <laughs> but this is a great way to do it. It's a great way to share your thoughts on whatever topic we're talking about or bring up a topic that we can then start discussing like what happened today. So I can't can't say thanks enough. Um, we're gonna keep putting out the regular podcast episodes every every week. Um, so this one will be up, and then next month we'll be doing another one. Um, and I hope you guys tell everybody you know to start listening and to start calling in and and giving us feedback and letting us hear their perspective because I think it would be really interesting to hear more Métis chime in with how they feel about this this battle, these battles, and Métis identity and. Oh, for sure. I mean, you and I have hosted this show for a long time. Um, if yeah. you've listened to this show for any length of time, you kind of know our opinion. <laughs> pretty clear. Pretty clear. So it, it's great. It's it's nice to hear people call in, whether you agree, whether you disagree, whether you want to have a topic of your own, whether you want to put forward a point of your own. That's what this, yeah. this is what this platform's for. That's why we started doing the live shows, is to give other people an opportunity to chime in on the conversation about the issues that matter to them. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I guess on that, uh, just let everybody know that we're going to do these monthly. And uh, if they become more and more popular, we might even do more. I don't know. But um, I just want to thank you guys for listening. And until the next episode, for now, the jig is up. <laughs>